What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Well, guys, UFC 269 is just one day away, and I'm here in Vegas, and I can already feel the excitement in the city. Coming up on today's show, I'll give you my official predictions for Oliveira versus Poré and Nunes versus Pena. All of that much later. But first, I want to give a quick shout out to one of today's sponsors. Today's episode of Your Welcome is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive, tasty, daily nutritional beverage I have ever had. With so many stressors in life, it's difficult to maintain effective nutrition habits and give our bodies the nutrients it needs to thrive. Busy schedules, poor sleep, exercise, stress, or simply not eating enough of the right foods can leave us with a deficiency. This is where Athletic Greens has come to the rescue for me. One scoop of this daily, all-in-one superfood powder contains 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multi-mineral, probiotic, greens, superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in our diet, increase energy and focus, help with digestion, and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. What a relief. Athletic Greens is my one stop for it all. So simple, so easy. For you athletes out there, this product is NSF certified for sport. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you are keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. Athletic Greens is offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. Covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health daily simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and join the athletes and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to optimal health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and get your free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. All right, guys, we got Submission Underground coming up this Sunday. So when you have the blues from the hangover that is the letdown of the pay-per-view, Poirier versus Oliveira, come and check us out on Sunday, UFC Fight Pass. We got tag team matches. Tara LaRosa and Mercedes are finally going to settle this thing, and I got a treat for you. Andy Varela versus Sean Strickland is going to go down at 2.30, 2.30 Pacific time on Sunday on my YouTube page, live and free, 2.30 sharp Varela versus Strickland. Get done with that. Get right over to UFC Fight Pass. Check out Submission Underground. Now, I have something exciting. I hope you don't mind that I brag. I brag to you guys all the time. I just usually can hide it better. This one I'm going to have to just come right out with, which is I got assigned the World MMA Awards. So I've got to host that before, but it's been a period of time. And I know they were bringing in guys outside of our industry. Like I can recall a year, it was a real treat, but Jeremy Piven did it. Dolph Lundgren, right? That was a real thrill for me. This guy fought Rocky back in the theaters when I went with my family about 11 years old. So they're back back to an MMA guy and I'm the MMA guy. So we're going to do that. That's going to be live. That's going to go down 7.30 Friday on ESPN+. Plus. Make sure you check that out because, and I got no spoilers here, guys. I'm not giving you a hint in any direction. I have no idea who won these awards. I will not know. They open that envelope exactly like you see it on TV, and we find out in that moment. But I will tell you, I went to see who was nominated just as a way of boning up and being prepared. And Male Fighter of the Year, in my opinion, is the biggest honor you can receive that night. We do a whole bunch of awards, and they're all very meaningful within our industry. I watch the CMAs. It's the only award show that I watch because I find them disgusting that you get a bunch of rich, elitist pricks together and then hand them awards, right? It's just, it's gross. But I do watch the CMAs because I like country music, but I only watch it for one reason, to find out who Entertainer of the Year is. I don't give a damn about any other award, but Entertainer of the Year does matter, and I use that example to equate it over to our industry, Male Fighter of the Year. 
Now, that is not gender-based that I'm saying, male. The women don't have the same opportunities. They don't have as many fights. They don't have as many categories. So the competitiveness is iron on top of iron. And it is impossible to look at a year like, say, Israel Adesanya had and not just assume that he won it. I thought his fight with Marvin Vittori was pretty close. The judges didn't agree he won all five rounds. Then you've got to juxtapose that against Kumar Usman, who hit Masvidal so hard he turned him sideways and shut the book on his greatest rival, which is Kobe Company. I mean, just by example, there's going to be a lot going on there. I'd love to know your guys' opinions. It's all going to be a guess. But I would love to hear if you make a guess. They do an award called Journalist of the Year. Now, when I think about journalism and I think about MMA, and yes, I'm coming to you with bias, I I admit that, but my answer is still the same, which is I think Errol Hawani. And I will tell you a great media member, but he doesn't get mentioned in MMA that much because he's diverse and covers other sports, is Kevin Ioli. Just for example, and I do think when you look at Journalist of the Year, it's not only my opinion that Errol leads the way. Errol has won the award 10 times. He is up for it this year. It will be his 11th time. Now, does his departure from ESPN affect that? If it does affect it, is it positive or negative? The fact that he was with the worldwide leader and now he's in front of all of you guys back on the MMA. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know the answer. But there's a lot on that. I will tell you, I've been nominated for something before. I think it was personality of the year. But I wanted to win it. It was competitive. And I didn't work as hard. I didn't campaign. Because I, th- I felt like that took away, maybe even a sign of desperate to tweet about it and ask people to vote for me. I didn't do those things, but I wanted to. And I wanted people to vote for me. So it gets very competitive. I can remember the first year that Ariana did not win ring card girl. It was a thing. So I, I don't say that to embarrass Ariana or to bring that out. Just to let you guys know, in our industry, this is the only award show. Fighters Only puts it on. They go to all the expense. ESPN has seen it over the years and said, you know, we'll take that. We'll broadcast it. Not only will we do it, we'll do it live, which is very different than the experiences that I had previously hosting. We used to host. It was a big deal. Everybody came out, the red carpet, the whole nine. However, when it was done, nothing happened. A month later, it would air at like 1.30 in the morning on an off-brand cable channel if you could find it. It was just, it was tough. But these guys stayed with it. They fought through it. And now they made it to ESPN. I would love if you guys tuned in. Well, speaking of Errol Hawani, I had a conversation with him about a fighter that's been in the news lately. And it's a story that has both of us fired up. So let's get into that. So guys, I was with Errol Hawani earlier today. And... Before I was with Ariel, Neil Magny was on the show. So I'm watching, and I'm hearing what Neil has to say. And I thought every point that Neil made was perfect. And I agree with Neil. And this, of course, has to do with Hazmet Shemaev, where Neil's going, look, I keep hearing these things that nobody wants to fight him. I keep hearing that nobody meaningful. I keep hearing that nobody's willing. I'm right here. And Neil Magny's call-out of Shemaev is the only call-out Shemaev's ever had. Lahal Muhammad gets credit, said he's willing to fight him. Jeff Neal hinted in that direction, said he's willing to fight him. Credit to those guys. But being willing to fight somebody and asking to fight somebody, that's two very different things. Two very different things. Your phone rings, or are you the one that placed the call? Neil Magny's the one, and he's the only one that made the call. And Ariel shared something while I was on the show that I did not know. As it pertains to Leon that Leon may not be going right into a title fight with Kamara as we all think. Now, I asked Errol, I said, whoa, stop everything. I haven't heard that. What is it you're talking about? And Errol said, well, it was a comment that Dana White made. Dana White on the Jim Rome show a week ago, and I actually heard that interview, I don't remember this part of it, said we have something for Leon. As though Leon's booked and Leon's busy, and that would have been a great opportunity to say it's a world title fight. Dana didn't do that. In fact, Dana didn't say anything else. He just said we have something for Leon. So if it's not Masvidal, it's not Usman, what could it possibly be? I don't know. I'm left wondering. But if it's not Chemayev, 
which seems like Dana wouldn't have missed the opportunity. I'm guessing. I'm trying to get inside of his mind in an interview that he did a week ago while he was quarantined and had a positive COVID test. Right? I mean, there was a lot of moving parts here. How much do you want to draw from this? But we don't have any other evidence. We don't have anything. So where's Leon going to go? Apparently it's a very new question. And whatever the answer to that, they've already got it worked out. They just haven't told us. But if that's not into Usman, who's Usman possibly going to fight? And then you're also left with the likely suspects. Luke comes to mind. But Luke missed weight. Is he going to be punished for that? I'm not making that decision. I'm not giving Luke a hard time. I thought that was a stud move that he got in the batter's box. I was willing to step in on short notice. But if he doesn't make weight, will he be punished? Nobody in UFC history has been able to draw into a title fight if their previous weigh-in they missed. And Dana's told them openly, you would have been the number one contender. I cannot make a title fight if you can't prove you can make weight because if you miss it on that night, the title can't go up for grabs. Not my call, commission's decision. So it's one of those things that, again, I'm not, I don't want to draw a lot into this. I just want to look at the clues that we have and discuss them with you because it all takes me right back to my original premise of get Magni and Chemayev in there. If those guys are free and those guys are available and Magni holds down a ranking, not to mention, there's some stuff I want to see from Chemayev. There's just stuff I need to see. I've seen how well Chemayev can go out and lump somebody up, but I've never seen Chemayev get his eyes shut. I've never seen uh, Chemayev get his nose broken and have to push through it. I see how great he looks in the first round. I have no reason to believe he can't look that good in the third round, but I haven't seen it. So that's compelling and intriguing to me. Even if I know what the outcome of a match is going to be, if I can learn something, if some question gets answered, it's enough for me. And maybe I'm just personalizing as a fan, but I think that we like the same things. So I would find that interesting, and I think we could come to a pretty unanimous agreement. Neil Magny can get out of the first round. Can we agree on that? Nobody's whipped Neil Magny's ass that fast. Chemayev's not going to be the first, even if he gets on top of him. Neil Magny is likely to survive the round, which means Neil Magny for sure is going to show us something new within Chemayev. That fight makes so much sense to me, but I feel like I'm the only one. I've been banging this drum, waiting for you guys to back me up, and you haven't done it yet. You haven't. I've got a couple of thumbs up from you guys, like the emoji, but I haven't got a message. I haven't got a comment, not a single one. Where guys are going, yes, Chael is exactly right. Magni wants the fight. He's the only one that wants the fight. Give Magni the fight. I'm not hearing any of those things. Why not? Am I just wrong on this? Is there a miss here? I feel like the answer is right in front of my face, but whatever glasses I've got on that, I, that I'm seeing this uh, matchup, but I'm missing it. That's happened to me before where something's right in front of me, and then when it finally gets revealed, I'm like, oh my goodness, how did I not see that? Is that what's happening here? Do you guys know what the answer is? Do you know why Magni is not getting the fight with Chemayev? Do you know why when the Chemayev experiment was predicated on one thing, which was activity, 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 there's absolutely no activity? What is the plan here? What am I missing? I want to see it. I got to know everything. I'm a very curious guy. I have to know everybody's business. I got to know your business. I got to know the business. I got to know behind the scenes. I got to know it all. And I don't know this one. 170 is very fun right now. Where's Colby Covington going to go? That might be the hottest question out there. Who's going to fight Kamar Usman? And once we find out who's going to fight Kamar Usman, if that isn't Leon, what the hell do you do with Leon? And if it is Leon, that means Luke is floating around. What the hell do you do with Luke? I personally like the idea of Luke versus Gilbert Burns. However, I believe those two are teammates. And if they are, I certainly won't press on that. I don't love the idea of making teammate fight teammate, particularly if a title's not on the line. If I'm wrong about that, if Luke just catches some workouts at that gym, but that's not officially his home, that's the match I would like to see. So those are my thoughts on some of the biggest stories of the week. Now let's turn our attention to UFC 269 and two stars that I'm so excited to see make their returns to the cage. You know what would be a fun game to play right now, guys? You always see this done after the events. I'm talking about playing it right now. What do you do with victories on Cody and Sean? And I had my buddy uh, Ryan ask me, I said, you know, they're only separated by one fight on the card. Do you think we're, 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 we're preluding here? Do you think if they both win, they're going to fight each other? I had to remind my buddy, hey, you know what? Cody's actually down at 125. So I want to remind you guys of that too. Because if you want to talk about what do you do with Cody, Cody's a star. Cody has the it factor. 
period. Simon Cowell brought that to the world's attention, talking about the it factor, but it's a real thing, and you know it when you see it, and Cody's got it. 125 pounds does not have that. 125 pounds is starting to have that. Figueredo and Moreno, it's a big deal, both of those guys. Figueredo did it completely different, not only becoming the champion, he's always got some gimmick going, he usually does it with his hair. Great, I'm into a gimmick. Does it with his attire, looks fantastic, wearing scarves, he's wearing glasses, he always looks cool. Okay, great, I, I'm into that. Kamaru Usman did the same thing, it works. And then you've got Moreno, who's just got this incredible story. And he's the first ever Mexican-born UFC champion. I'm not positive you guys understand uh, how powerful that statement is. That means so much to so many people. There is such a pride and an honor within combat to the Mexican culture. Tremendous. And they have tears in their eyes watching their own succeed. It's a big deal. So we cannot say 125 does not have stars. Those guys make that statement impossible. Are they as big of a deal as Cody? I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. Cody's the real deal. Not only can Cody fight like a bitch. Cody's got one problem, which is he's too damn stubborn. Cody can do anything he wants in that octagon except get in a firefight. I guarantee you, in this next fight, and the one after that, and the one after that, Cody will get in a firefight. Just because. You hit him, he, he just, he has to hit you back. He can't, ah, he just, Cody has this rage. It's one of the things, we talk about the it factor, it's one of the things we love about Cody. But for him to get to where everybody wants him to go, which is to a title fight, he's going to have to get a win. At most, he's going to have to get two. No more. He is down at 125 to get a title shot. So he's got to prove he can make the weight class, go out there, have some level of success. Figueredo Moreno going to go take care of part three. They're going to draw right into Cody. And if that calendar doesn't work out, Cody might slip one more in. Make no mistake, he's within two fights of being in the ring for a championship match. It's very exciting. I just don't want you guys to miss it. It's very exciting. 125 doesn't have that. 135 used to not have that. Dominic Cruz helped to get him on the map. And then Dominic Cruz got a whole bunch of people coming in and supporting that act. Jose Aldo comes to mind, and Frankie Edgar comes to mind. Uriah Faber always comes to mind. Now you've got uh, you got Dillashaw sitting out there. you got two champions and Yawn and Sterling. 135 has never been in a better position. So what do you do with Sugar Sean? I hope, and I'm not going to get my way for much longer. Sean is going to get a ranking. He's going to have to fight ranked guys, and he's going to work his way up and be treated the same as everybody else. I'm not going to get my way forever, but for the short term and for as long as we can get it, I want him to remain the unranked champion. I want him to remain the biggest star. I want him to remain on the top of the bill. I want him to work his way closer to co-main and main event status. And I want him to keep fighting unranked guys. And they can keep him unranked. I don't know how you can rank him. I don't want him ranked. I don't know how you can rank him if he doesn't beat a ranked guy. You just take a ranked guy's spot away and throw somebody new in. I mean, I know that the rules in the ranking committee is going to fiercely adhere to the rules that they make up on the spot, but I don't know how you can do that. They got in a jam with that Chemayev. Hey, we're seeing something special here. We got to get this guy a ranking, but he hasn't fought any ranked guys. Who are we going to steal a spot from to give to him? And they figured they figured a way to do that. That's the beauty of having a pencil in your hand. It's got an eraser on the other end. You can write the script every, any way that you want to. I don't think he qualifies for a ranking. I know he's good enough. That's not the point. I want him unranked. I want him unranked, and I want him fighting unranked guys, and I want him doing it on top of the bill, teaching a lesson to all the rest of the guys that your ranking means crap. Your placement on the card is what's much closer directly related to the commas on your paycheck. It's always been that way. It should be that way, and you're seeing it play out right now with Sugar Sean. And I'm not looking to be a jerk to Sean's opponent. I'm not. I'm sure he's a perfectly nice guy who's worked very hard. I don't, I just don't know who the opponent is. I don't know who the last opponent was. I know his story. I know he was short notice and he wasn't in the organization. He fought his ass off and everybody gained respect. I even know that his first name was Chris. I'm not looking to dismiss them. I'm looking to prove a bigger point. Which is, I do know Sugar Sean O'Malley. I do know where he lives. I do know his wife. I know how many kids he has. I know what he likes to do in his free time. I know that he is the un- defeated, undisputed champion of the unranked. 
I know that one time he got called into question and had to go before the Sugar State Athletic Commission. I know all these things about him. Why? I don't go study more on Sugar Sean than I do other guys. I'm not bros with him. I've never even met him. Why do I know all of these things? Because he's told me. He's told us. He's told you. He's not afraid to get out in front of it. He realizes that appearance matters. He realizes when he's doing a cameo out of it from the front row and all they're going to do is throw the camera on him, he's not going to punch anybody. He's not going to say anything. All you're going to have to do is look at him. So have a cool look to see. He gets these things. They're small. They're simple. This is low-hanging fruit. This is marketing 101. But he does them. All those little things add up. The way you bring your fingers into a fist, the way you extend it, the way that you turn your thumb down, the way that you protect your chin, they're all small things, but they add up and you start getting wins and wins turn into money and money turns into opportunity and you get enough wins. Maybe it's for a title and now you're going to take that with you the rest of your life. That's what a career is. No stone unturned. That's what Sean's doing. He's got a great gimmick right now. And there was a time, the reason I want this, the reason I want him to stay unranked and keep fighting unranked guys isn't just for the case that I just laid out. It's because there was a time when Sean was going after the ranked guys and they treated Sean the same way that the ranked guys are currently treating Shemaev. Oh, you're not one of us. We're the little elitist. I'll only fight other little elitists that also have a number next to their name. I have no idea where the number came from or who wrote it down, but it's out there and I saw it. It was on the internet. It must be so. They didn't want to give him his chance. Now they all want it because they're jerking the curtain and he's on top of the bill. I don't want him to give it to him. This is purely out of spite. You ever see that Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry David opened the spite store? I, for one, get it. So Cody Garbrandt and Sugar Sean are two fights on the main card that I can't wait for tomorrow. As for the rest of today's show, I'll talk about one star that will definitely have her eyes on the fights, and then after that, I'll give you my official prediction. But first, I want to tell you about some more of today's sponsors. This holiday season, give yourself or a loved one one gift that keeps getting better night after night. The best sleep on an 8sleep ProPod cover. About six months ago, I came across this company, 8sleep. I ordered a ProPod mattress, and guys, when I tell you it was a game changer, I am not exaggerating. Listen, I'm not a big spender, but I'm also not cheap. I don't mind spending money on a good night's sleep. I truly find it to be an investment. If I can get a better night's sleep and be a happier person with more energy, I can justify the cost, especially if it's a long-term buy. Eight Sleep ProPod cover will adjust the temperature based on your sleep stages biometrics and bedroom temperature throughout the night creating the optimal sleeping environment for you. The thing is so easy to use. If you're a hot sleeper like me, but your significant other is the opposite, no problem. 8sleep can take care of that for both of you. You can select your desired sleeping temperature in their app and leave the rest up to the technology. Data shows that 8sleep users fall asleep up to 32% faster, reduce sleep interruptions by 40%, and get overall more restful sleep. I can testify to this. Who doesn't want a better night's sleep? The ProPod cover by 8sleep has the attention of CEOs, pro athletes, and overall high performers who want to get sleep fit. Right in time for the holidays, give the gift of better sleep and a present that will keep giving back every day of the year. Go to 8sleep.com slash you're welcome for exclusive holiday savings. That's 8sleep.com slash you're welcome. If you ever wanted to make your home feel safer, there's no better time than right now. This week, our friends at Simply Safe are giving my listeners, that's you, access to all their holiday deals 40% off their award-winning home security system. My family loves Simply Safe because it has everything you need to make your home safe. Indoor and outdoor cameras, comprehensive sensors, all monitored around the clock by trained professionals who send help the instant you need it. What I'm so impressed with about this system is the wireless outdoor camera. This thing can be set up anywhere and the built-in spotlight gives it the most clear, crisp images at night. And that's not all. 
Simply Safe security systems are a breeze to set up and remove. If you end up moving, you can easily pack up the system and take it with you to your next home. Simply Safe was even named Best Home Security System of 2021 by US News and World Report. You can easily customize the system for your home online in minutes and even get free custom recommendations from Simply Safe. These are Simply Safe's biggest discounts of the year. You can get a complete home security system starting at just over 100 bucks. There are no long-term contracts or commitments. It's a really easy way to start feeling a bit more peace of mind. Take advantage of Simply Safe's holiday deals and get 40% off your new home security system by visiting simplysafe.com/chail. Again, that's simplysafe.com/chail for 40% off your entire system. Dana White changing his tune a little bit as it pertains to Kayla Harrison. Now, the first good news that Kayla ever got was Dana knowing who she was. The second piece of good news she got was Dana saying, I'm not interested. Those are positives, right? Everything starts somewhere. And a lot of times with Dana, he'll put a feeler out. And if he, if he gets it wrong, or if he's just teeing it up in the first place to see what the reaction is, Dana listens to you guys tremendously. He cares what you think. And you guys think that Kayla should have an opportunity within the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Okay, great. But Dana is now saying kind of the same thing. Dana said the only way to find out if she is truly the best fighter in the world is to put her in the UFC and put her against Amanda Nunes. No disagreement. That is the only way to do it. For sure. If that's what we're talking about as being best in the world. Now, I've got to remind you guys, and I realize of my redundancy, but I will warn you in advance... You're going to hear this from me 10 more times, which is the story of Amanda and Kayla, who are teammates at the American Top Team, but were training partners. So on Kayla's first day, she rolls in. She's got an Olympic gold medal. She's got another Olympic gold medal in a sport of judo, which is very hard to find good judo practitioners. So this would be something that if you are Amanda or any of the ladies for that matter, you're going to be very excited about. You're going to want to hear about I had dinner with Ronda Rousey one time, and I was asking Ronda about judo. So I'm just personalizing this. I don't know very many good judo players. And the next thing I know, she, I'm trying to, she starts showing me with a fork and a knife. Well, if this is you and this is me, and, then, and she finally goes, stand up. So now next thing, I, we're in this restaurant, right? And she's hitting foot sweeps on me. And they even had a guy from the back come out thinking like this was a, a guy accosting. A, funny story, but I share this with you because for sure, this would have been the shiny toy in the room. And Amanda saw it the same way that I saw it with Rhonda. You only get so many of these chances, you got to ask your questions, even if you're at a restaurant, for sure. Okay. They start doing some workouts, and Amanda starts to feel something. This is very early. Like, literally, day one. Literally, week one. Literally, month one of Kayla having any interest in mixed martial arts and having joined the team. And after a very small period of time, Amanda tells the coaches, I don't work out with her anymore. You guys train her. And American Top Team is a little different than the gym that I belong to. We had one practice time. We only had so many bodies. We weren't a super gym in terms of numbers. So we would all practice together. American Top Team is different because it is such a factory that they will have five different MMA classes in one day. But these guys come in now and these weight classes come in there and the facility is so big and beautiful you could have multiple classes going at one time. Now I only bring that to you because it's not uncommon what I just explained to you. It's not uncommon. You, you remember when American Top Team was ruling 170? Between Robbie Lawler, between Tyron Woodley, between Hector Lombard, between Colby Covington. I mean, they were ruling 170 pounds, so they had to figure out where's the trust at and who do we keep away from one another. That would be very uncommon at most gyms, but American Top Team does things a little bit different because of their size and even the structure just of the facility. So I bring it to you. Mana says, look, I'm feeling something here. I'm feeling a real potential. I do not believe that Amanda was getting dusted up by Kayla Harrison in Kayla's first month. I just don't believe it. I just know it takes a little bit of time. No matter how good Kayla is at one discipline, that's not what this sport is anymore. That ended about 99 and was long gone by 2003. But that doesn't mean that Amanda couldn't feel a potential. 
It didn't mean Amanda wasn't going, wait a minute, I got to put the brakes on this. I don't want her to learn me too well and I need to be careful what I show her. This is a future potential problem, teammate or not. Now, that is the story, guys. So how accurate that is, you know how these things work? It, probably pretty close. I'm probably 85% there. Maybe as much as 90. For sure, I'm missing about 10% of the story. You, you understand that. However, Kayla's the one that put that story out, and she did it very politely. She did it very matter-of-fact. She wasn't shoving anybody's nose in it. She was just talking about her own potential and why she feels that she can go to the top. And if you had workouts with the best in the world, you're going to have a very good understanding of where you stand. And this was just a, a casual comment that uh, Kayla put down, but I picked it up. I grabbed onto that right away. So I waited for Amanda to deny it. I waited for teammates who were present in these workouts to deny it. I waited for coaches or possibly to get all the way up to Dan Lambert to step in and deny it. That did not happen. It didn't happen. Which led me to believe that it was accurate. I want to say that again because that doesn't mean it is accurate. It led me to believe that it's accurate, but it also had me tremendously interested. If anyone can deal with Amanda, I, I have to see it. I don't need you to beat Amanda. I need you to compete with Amanda. You're going to have my full attention. I do not need you to take Amanda's belt. I need you to take a round. You will have my full attention. That is how dominant Amanda is. Kayla is fairly damn dominant, if that's the word you want to use, herself. Not the same level of competition, not the same level of pressure. I understand all of these things, but so does Kayla. Kayla also would like to prove, and this is the difference. When you have an amateur star, you have a different mindset. I prefer the NCAA to the pros. I prefer the Olympics to any event because it's not about the money. It is truly about wanting the recognition that you believe your skills through hard work, discipline, and sacrifice have gotten you. And there has never been an Olympic Games, and I do mean ever, for any sport, where somebody's sitting at home with their buddies, they're doing the medal ceremony, and they tap a buddy on the knee and go, I could have done that, I, I just didn't want to do the Olympics this year. It's never happened. We all stand back and we recognize, no matter what country and no matter what sport, you, for this moment, are truly the best. And that's the mindset that Kayla's coming with. Kayla is coming to you guys and acting as though this is all about the money and it's only for the money. She's never done anything for the money. If she had an opportunity right now to sign somewhere else for a whole big jackpot, or Dana said, I'll give you $1, but I'll give you Amanda, and the title's going to be on the line, I guarantee you Kayla signs with the UFC. That's who she truly is. It's one of the reasons I'm such a fan. It's one of the reasons that I speak about her nonstop, and I want you guys to be fans. I want you guys on board for what's happening here. But the buck stops at Amanda Nunes, period. No matter what happened in those workouts or what she thought she felt or what she's doing to be kind or respectful or what she was foreshadowing for, whoever got to Amanda influenced her to tell the coaches, keep us apart. The buck stops at Amanda Nunes, period. So I want to see that match. Now, Dana is in a precarious position. It would not matter if it was Chris Cyborg, it would not matter if it was Kayla, and it does not matter if it's Amanda. They all are going to need opponents. And if Dana's going to do a three-fight deal, which would be a little smaller than I think he would do with somebody of Kayla's stature, I think he would be closer to a five and maybe even an eight-fight deal, Dana is going to have a plan. And having a plan at 145 has always just traditionally been challenging because of the number of people that are currently participating. Just one of those things. And Kayla is very big for the weight class, and that's according to Kayla. I would never bring a girl's size into it, but Kayla has made this part of the story saying, look, I've only been to 145 one time since I was a junior in high school. It's a challenge for me, but I've proven that I could do it, and I am willing to do it for the right opportunity. That's very relevant because there's discussion right now of the bullet coming up to 135 pounds. We're talking about 145 here, so now the bullet isn't even part of this conversation. And how many young ladies are there that are meaningful fights for Kayla? Because I can only announce one. Amanda, can you guys offer two or could you offer three? And I only bring that because if we are going to have a talk, we are going to have a negotiation. These are some of the things that Dana's going to be looking for. It's not just looking for one night and figuring out who the best is. 
He's going to look for four and five and seven nights and filling up arenas. So it's an interesting dialogue. This is certainly unfolding and playing out right before us. Dana was asked about putting the bullet against Amanda, part three. And Dana simply said, I don't see any point to it. And I'm so glad, and I hope that conversation ends. That conversation is only being created by one person who is the bullet. If anybody's got a right to an opinion, it is the bullet. So I certainly wouldn't dismiss her. But the bullet does need to understand she's put that out 20 different times to the crowd and nobody's gotten behind it. Nobody. Nobody is interested in seeing that fight. And it's out of respect to Amanda and the Bullet. We like the fact that we have these dominant. We like we liked when Roy Jones Jr. ran through everybody. We liked when Mike Tyson was invincible. We get that times two right now. We don't want to know. We want to debate what would happen with George St. Pierre versus Khabib. We don't actually want to know. We want to know Jordan versus LeBron. We don't actually want to see them play pig. There's courts everywhere. Those two know each other. They could get together and figure it out even by today's set, but they don't do it. And we don't really want them to do it. And that's the only part that the bullet is missing. As for what does this mean for Amanda, as for what does it do with Kayla Harrison, if you're in Dana's position, you got to put the brakes on. you got to show respect, which Dana's doing, to Juliana Pena. Let her have her say. Let's kick the can. Even if it's only until Tuesday of next week, for right now, let's take a deep breath. It appears that Kayla is in a better position. It started with Dana knowing her name. It then moved to Dana resisting her. And now it is Dana saying, I'm open to the idea. Kayla is in a very good spot. But let this weekend's title fight play out. My official prediction for the queen, Amanda Nunes, taking on the Venezuelan vixen, Juliana Pena. Guys, I'm going with Amanda. Of course I'm going with Amanda. My curse is real and my curse is strong. And if you look back over the numbers of 2021, nobody's been more consistent than me. But even a broken clock is right twice a day. Of course I'm taking Amanda. I will tell you, this is a harder fight than you think. This is a closer fight than you think. This is a closer fight than the boys over at DraftKings are aware. Juliana Pena has... All of the tools that have proven to be the kryptonite of Amanda, which more than anything is two. She's got the physicality and the takedown ability. But those two things have proven in the past to be a problem for Amanda. Not problems that Amanda hasn't solved. Not puzzles that Amanda can't put the pieces in the right place, but a problem. A problem and a puzzle nonetheless. Juliana Pena claims, this was privately to me, she claimed, and I said, can I, can I make this public? That Amanda Nunes was offered her twice and said no. Now, Juliana told me this about five months ago, before she ever got this fight. In fact, it's why she called me. She was looking to get some help from you, wanted me to bring the message to the audience to kind of push Amanda in that direction. So Julia wanted it known. I'm the number one contender. Here's my record and resume. I deserve this. But Amanda's stopping me, not Dana. Dana agrees with me. Amanda's stopping me. I said, Juliana, you're telling me that Amanda Nunes turned you down. She said, Chael, not once but twice. Now, that was shocking news to me. I do not picture that from Amanda. I do not picture Amanda playing games. Amanda's in a position where it appears she has to be grateful for whatever she can get because nobody wants to give her anything in the first place because generally it involves some embarrassment and an ass-whipping. So I did bring that story to you guys. And I don't know if that helped to influence Amanda, but within that time frame, Amanda did change her mind and this fight got booked. So you can listen to what I'm saying and think I'm shining up Juliana, or we can just defer to Amanda's opinion. And I don't have proof to this day that Amanda was offered it once, not twice. I'm telling you the story as it was told to me. But when I did bring that to you guys five months ago, all of a sudden this fight got made. And you guys had the same reaction that I had, which was some surprise. Hmm, that surprises me. Now that is something I want to see. I want to see it because the champion herself, who looks absolutely invincible, sees a bit of a problem here. And that's very real historically in fights. I mean, Floyd Mayweather was the best in the world, and Zab Judah was not even on the radar. Zab was 
damn good, but not in the conversation of being the best in the world. But Floyd wouldn't fight him. Floyd had a problem and saw a problem with the style of Zab Judah. Now, eventually they fought, and Floyd was right. It, Zab was a problem. It was a lot closer match than anybody had predicted. So you really do you really do want the fighter's opinion. It's just really hard to get. It's extremely hard to get a fighter to speak straight to you. Fighters, as, as a large, believe in uh, laws of attraction. They believe in aligning the universe and what they put into it. And whether those laws and the attraction and this stuff is real or not, I'm just sharing with you, fighters believe it, and they are very careful what comes out of their mouth. Not because they're looking to sway you. Not because they're looking to promote. Not because they think it could be bad for business. They don't want it to be real, and they just happen to f follow the mindset of whatever I say, I've got the strength and the work ethic to go out and manifest, and I'm not going to say something negative about myself. So it's just hard to get a straight answer from a fighter. But Juliana Pena does have the wrestling that early in Amanda's career was a problem for Amanda. I'm not saying Amanda didn't win those fights, guys. I'm not saying you got to go look it up and Amanda lost some matches you don't know about. No, she won those matches, but she lost positions. And sometimes those positions were lost for so long that it cost her rounds. But that's how a goldfish eats a shark. A lot of little bites. A lot of things that go well, and then one more thing goes well, and one more goes well, which turns into a round and constitutes your evening, which can then represent the outcome, and if a belt is up, can represent titles. It's a big deal. Amanda has proven successfully she can deal with every style of fighter, except the wrestler. That's not Amanda's fault. She just hasn't been matched up with any. And I don't know if you guys look at Juliana as this big wrestling powerhouse. She is. And if you go watch Juliana's fights, look, getting Amanda down is not going to be easy. If Juliana gets Amanda down, Juliana is likely to keep Amanda down. I realize that this isn't the world's most... Even if you concede everything I just said, the physicality of Juliana and the wrestling ability, that still doesn't equal an upset. It just equals a lot closer and a lot harder fight. And when you're playing with Amanda, the rules are different. It's the same thing with the bullet. The rules are different. If you win a round, you will get sponsored and featured on SportsCenter. If you win two rounds, you're probably going to get a rematch. If you win some exchanges, some positions, you're going to be looked out fondly amongst the other competitors. That's how dominant. And I got to give it to both of them. I got to give that to the bullet too. She's that goddamn good. But so is Amanda. And Amanda is going to walk you down. If you remember the night that Amanda knocked out Cyborg, it wasn't just the hands that surprised everybody. It was that Amanda was charging forward and Chris backed up. That was just a really big surprise. If they rematched, I think Chris would agree with me, would not back up. However, it happened that night. Juliana also marches forward. We're going to get clues very early on. Who the alpha in that ring is, we're going to know in round one. If Juliana shuts down, feels the power, gets scared, or backs up, we're going to know how this thing is going to unfold. But if she stands her ground, if she goes forward and walks through it, no matter what, if she pushes Amanda into the fence, whether she gets her down or not, we're going to know in the first round how this fight's going to play out. I don't want you guys to miss it. Every great upset in sports history starts this same way, which is the Buster Douglas of the night, in this case Juliana, doesn't believe the script, doesn't fall for the narrative, and doesn't succumb to the fact that this is a foregone conclusion. They have confidence. They believe in themselves. They bring their skills. They go out and fight. Is this the night? Is this going to be one of the great upsets in sports history? Maybe. Guys, my official prediction, you gotta have an official prediction, right? How do you enjoy a fight if you don't take a stand one way or the other? Particularly if you're me, if you're a fan. If you're a fan, make your bet. Don't be a wimp about it. Don't sit on the fence. Say who you think's gonna win the fight. Put a little reputation on the line. Get a little back and forth going with some friends. I'm taking Poirier. I'm not bullish on that. I'm not. Generally, a rule that many betters and I'm a better, I'm just not a good better. Good betters will follow a rule of who has more ways to win. 
And if you look at the more way to win scenario, it is definitely Oliveira. As a matter of fact, I think you could back that up to Poirier has one way to win, which is on his feet. And if you break Poirier's stand-up game down, you can break that to left and right hands. Poirier's not going to spinning roundhouse you. He's not going to jump in the air and knee you. He'll slip an elbow in like a dirty boxer. and he, he might give you a knee to the thigh or the gut, but that's not what you have to worry about. you got to worry about good, solid, slip in, slip out, control distance, lead everything with a jab, punches in the bunches, Western Queensberry rules boxing. Is Poirier a better boxer than Oliveira? I think so. But I can't prove it. And even if it is so, even if I'm right in my guess, it's not by as much as you think. Oliveira is very good. He's got long arms, but he can punch tight. If you go watch that hook that Oliveira put Chandler down with, that was a tight inside left hook that he timed perfectly. But to have the skill to do that, not to mention be able to generate that kind of a power, a lead counter hook, that is shocking, and Oliveira did it like it was nothing. Now, I only bring that to you because if they're very close on their feet, Oliveira is going to be more dynamic, but let's say they're close. Let's say Oliveira is a little better than we think he is, or even the Poirier is not quite as good as we think he is. And Poirier is great, but many people are saying he's the best boxer in all of them. Let's, let's just say that they're a little bit closer. I think it's unlikely that Poirier take Oliveira down. First off, I think that's going to be very hard to do. I don't know that I believe that Dustin, as great of a fighter as I think he is, I don't know that he, I think he's that great with MMA wrestling. It's good. It's a real threat. He could turn to it when he needs it. But I don't think he can go out there with a, with a game plan heavy of take him down. So let's just say that he does go for some takedowns and some get stuffed. Who's more likely to end up on top of the other? If Dustin gets on top of Oliveira, I'm not sure or sold on the idea that he can do a lot of damage. If Oliveira gets on top of Poirier, I don't believe Poirier can get up. I believe Oliveira can do a lot like what Khabib did, which is to smother him, which is to keep him down, to get risk control, to off-balance him, to bother him just enough to eat up at least that round, thus winning that round. So I'm picking Poirier. What I just said you probably sense anti-Poirier. It's not anti-Poirier. It's a recognition of what a very close fight we have, and under a general prediction circumstance, following the rule of which athlete has more ways to win, it's not Dustin. I do believe that Dustin's game plan is to stay on his feet. It's going to be to beat him up. It's going to be to bludgeon him. That plan is going to work if there is a gap between your skills and your opponent's. Now, that is a gamble and a guess in the best of scenarios. The same as I don't know who the better stand-up fighter is, they don't either. And while the world seems to favor Dustin and give him compliments like he's the best boxer in all of mixed martial arts, with what evidence? I mean, how do we prove that? How do we quantify that? And is good boxing better than good Muay Thai? Oliveira is much more likely to kick you in the stomach. He's much more likely to kick you in the mouth. He's much more likely to tie clinch and throw some knees and work elbows in than Dustin is. So then you're stuck with the age-old question that they attempted to solve in 1993, which was what happened if you put a Muay Thai fighter against an MMA fighter, right? I mean, or a boxer. It's one of these things. It's a major throwback fight. And does anybody disagree with me? Do we all agree that it is likely that Dustin's plan is to keep this on his feet and pick him apart. Because Dustin does very well with this body type. Oliveira is a lot taller than you guys think, and he's a lot longer than you guys are aware. But Poirier does a great job with those guys. Poirier gets inside and slips inside without taking damage better than anybody. Most great boxers that get inside take damage doing it. They're just willing to walk through it. That Mike Tyson or that George Foreman, George was willing to take a few punches to give you one. And he was so powerful, a lot of times that game worked out. But in MMA, it's very different to do that, and Poirier does it better than anyone. Poirier will get inside and go to your body without taking some of that damage. So I feel we can back this fight up a little bit. I feel we need to really slow this down. Who's going to win? Oliveira or Poirier? Okay. How? And that's where the problem starts to come. And that's where you start to see no one here is getting their ass kicked. Nobody here is getting dominated. We have a very, very close fight on the physicality.
So then you must turn to the mentality. Both guys are under the same pressure, which is what goes up must come down. And both of these guys are in a bit of a down. There will never be a night like the night, and I'm talking Oliver here, that you win a world championship. There will be never be a night like the night where you are given the opportunity to win a world championship. So whatever you do next is going to be a little bit down. Big as this fight is, it's still down. But look at it from Poirier's standpoint. There's nothing as big as red panty night with Conor McGregor. And he got that not only once, he got that twice. So even if you put a belt, it's still going to be down just a little bit. How do they deal with that? Do they have the same motivation? If both of their motivation has been reduced, and we're splitting hairs here, if, if it's been reduced, whose has been reduced more? It's very tough. Poirier is consistent. He is going to perform every night. Win some, lose some, but he's going to bring his best skills. I cannot say that about Oliveira. Oliveira, no matter how focused and how well he comes out at some point in 25 minutes, will shut down. He'll turn back on if you let him, but he will give you an opportunity to beat him. He has done that in every single fight with every single opponent, no matter how much better he's been. He will provide you an opportunity to beat him. He will question, how bad do I want to be here? Okay, let me get out. Oh my gosh, what was I thinking? I don't get out. I fight back. But there's st- that, that brief instant. My coach, Roy Pittman, back when we were kids, would always talk to us about a split second. In the world of wrestling, how long a split second is. If you lose your focus for a moment, how detrimental that would be. And some kids, particularly the newer ones, not the veterans, didn't understand. Split second, that? Nothing bad could happen like that. And Coach Pittman would say, if you don't think a tenth of a second is a long time, go home, turn your stove on, Wait till that burner is red and set the side of your cheek on it for a tenth of a second. Then come back and tell me that's not a long time. And I only bring it to you because I'm splitting hairs here. Oliver is fantastic, guys. But to sit here and say he's fantastic, we don't have a lot to talk about. You got to be critical. It's the two sides of a coin. And yes, I can shine him up beautifully. And he is the king of the toughest division in the sport. The other side of the coin. He will give Poirier an opportunity at some point to win the fight. I cannot tell you that Poirier is going to have that same offering. Poirier is very stubborn. He's very focused. He's very deliberate. That's why he's my pick. But I will also predict this is a long, hard night for both of them. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you enjoy the fight Saturday night and Sunday for Submission Underground, which, by the way, you can watch for free on my YouTube channel. 2.30 Pacific time. We're going to start. Roll right over to UFC Fight Pass for the main card at 3 o'clock. I will be back on Wednesday with a bunch to break down and tell that I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.